Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Episode 51, and today's episode, a little shorter than others, but I wanted to get this up here because they have a big game coming up. It's a conversation with Sam Houston State head coach Casey Keeler. The football team, the Bearcats, undefeated Southland Conference champions. They're headed into the FCS playoffs as the number two overall seed. So my conversation with him is coming up. Before we get into anything else, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for those. Thanks to those, I should say, that have done that already. I appreciate that. Like I mentioned, this is episode 51. We are on the other side of 50, making our way to episode number 100. Since I last spoke to you guys, uh, what has happened? What's been going on in the uh, in the sports world, the Houston sports world specifically? Uh, well, Deshaun Watson still has his uh, legal issues. The back and forth continues there. Um, no real news to get out of that, other than you know it's gonna it's gonna be going on for a long time. The NFL's gonna probably levy some fines. I'm just surprised I'm not hearing more about this in other uh, publications in other. Um, media outlets. I mean, in, here in Houston, we're obviously covering it, and uh, all the stations are on top of it. Uh, you've seen a little bit on ESPN. Chronicles obviously got it. But, you know, I mean, in other situations, if a high-profile athlete is accused of so many things and so many l- civil lawsuits are filed against him, it, that that tends to be more of a national story. It's kind of surprising that it's it's not been a... Uh, more publicized story. But here locally, people are talking about it. We'll see how that thing shakes out. But I would not be shocked if the NFL did come down one way or the other once they finish their investigation and levy a suspension on Deshaun. What else is happening? Oh, baseball season in full swing. Astros started so well, and then they hit a bump in the road. Five guys leaving because of COVID protocols. Four of them expected back soon. Uh, So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, You know, they were so good pitching-wise through the first – what, five, six, seven games? And then uh, they kind of came back down to earth a little bit. Grinky got lit up. Um, and then lit up by the Tigers of all teams. Uh, but then, you know, some of these young guys playing well. You know, I, I think it's it. you're going to need some of these young guys down the stretch, right? Give them some playing time now. And I do like the fact that Dusty Baker is giving them time to play. Uh, it's early in the season. A lot of people overreact to starts. And you, you can't. You can't win a division in April. You could certainly lose it in April. I've seen many teams do that, my favorite team included in the Chicago White Sox. They've definitely lost things in April. Uh, But, you know, as long as you hover around 500, try to figure things out a little bit, then get a hot stretch maybe May, June, and going into July in the All-Star break, things will work out. It's early, but it's nice to have baseball season back. Rockets are still bad, uh, so that hasn't changed. They picked up a win against the uh, Magic the other day. That's not helpful. That, that's not helpful right now. Get, go ahead and lose. I know these are competitors. They want to win. It's not helpful for the overall plan. Okay? Um, they're shooting for that top three uh, spot in the draft. Everybody, Rockets fans, everybody talking about Cade Cunningham. They want to get uh, their hands on him. Uh, need a top three spot for that to happen. So, again, I've said it on Sports Extra. I need to give Coach Steven Silas a hug. It's not his fault. He's trying his best. He's talked about work ethic and uh, getting guys to buy in a little bit more. There, there is some raw talent there. I, I will say that there is some raw talent with the Rockets. It's just not materializing right now as far as uh, victories and team wins go. 
Um, it's nice to see Christian Wood still out there, though. He's he's pretty hard on himself sometimes. Son, it's okay. <laughs> you're you're trying your best, and some of the other younger guys are too. So while they have some young talent, they're just not very good right now, and uh, it's going to be a long haul for those guys. I expect multiple top five picks in their future. Texans-wise, Nick Casario came out last week, gave a press conference on uh, the NFL draft, which is coming up next week. They don't pick until selection number 67, unless they decide to make a move up in the draft. Who knows if teams are still calling on Deshaun Watson. And That's the thing about that press conference with Nick Casario that got to me. I don't know what people were expecting. Like I heard people in the media here locally saying, oh, well, he, he dodged the questions and he didn't really answer stuff, and they were giving him a hard time for saying right a lot. Uh, I guess that's a crux for people in discussions. They go, oh, you know, right. Right, right, he said that a lot. But I don't know what people were expecting him to say. Like, they were asking him about Deshaun Watson. Some questions came up about that. He wasn't going to comment on the legal issues. He wasn't going to make public statements on whether or not teams are calling. He wasn't going to say one way or the other that they're not going to have him or they're going to make a move. Like, I don't know what you expected him to say. Then, obviously, the questions came in about the draft. And he he discussed those issues and, you know, gave some of the platitudes and some of the cliche comments that coaches usually give and general managers usually give heading into the draft. Hey, we need to look at all the talent. We've evaluated the whole board, yada, yada, yada. He did that. But I think people were disappointed about that he didn't elaborate much more on Deshaun Watson. He wasn't going to do that. I mean, that's a press conference that, you know, they traditionally give. But not a lot of information comes out of it. He wasn't going to come out and say, oh, yeah, man, hey, I've gotten a couple of phone calls on Deshaun. We're really going to see what's going to happen on draft night. What what purpose is that? What purpose does that serve? Especially if he's come, he, a guy comes from New England. They don't divulge any information up there. So, I don't know. I thought the reaction to that press conference was a little over the top. Not, not really much to be expected out of that. But uh, so that's what's going on, Houston sports scene. Okay, this episode, like I promised at the beginning, is a conversation with uh, KC Keeler, head coach of the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Uh, they are headed to the AF- FCS playoffs. And uh, look, I, I got to be honest, and, and we talk about this during uh, our chat that I'm about to play. It's weird to talk about college football in April, but I mean, these guys are playing for a championship. I mean, and they've had a crazy season up at Sam Houston State. They got a lot going on behind the scenes. And one of the things that they've got going on is that they've they've had this ongoing conversation about um, about racial relations and racial issues within the team. Not within the team, but some of the, the issues that some of the players deal with, some of the black players deal with, uh, that these conversations that, that a lot of teams have had, um, the uh, racial injustice uh, conversations that a lot of people have, uh, have been talking about since last May, since the uh, George Floyd incident up in uh, Minneapolis. So Sam Houston has really uh, been at the forefront with this. And Casey Keeler is very honest, very open about what he's learned through these conversations with his players. And that the fact that these these talks have really brought this team a lot closer in addition to playing well on the field and what they've had to go through off the field. They don't have a facility right now. They're renovating the whole thing. He gets into all of this. Casey Keeler, one of my favorite interviews. He's doing a fantastic job at Sam Houston State. They have a bright future. They're heading into a new conference here pretty soon. But here we talk about so many things, the current state of this team heading into the playoffs and what they've done as far as uh, conversations go with racial injustice and uh, to better understand one another in that locker room. 
Coach Keeler, congratulations uh, on another FCS playoff berth. What's the feeling around the program right now as you head into this? Yeah, it was great on Sunday, you know, to be with the fellas and get a chance to put ESPN up on the big screen and uh, hear their name called. And then as a two seed on top of it, knowing that, you know, we need to take care of our business one week at a time and we don't leave the, the state of Texas and we don't leave Huntsville for three weeks. So kids were really excited and uh, they deserve it. I mean, it's a, a great group, uh, has played really well against, I think, really good competition. I think the Southland this year is, is really tough and um, I think it was well-deserved. I did hear you do a little bit of politicking the other day. That's what, uh, that's what coaches do. Um, you, were, you, you felt really, really strong about the fact that you, you deserve one of those national rankings, didn't you? Well, you, you know, I mean, it's tough because you have not had, you know, that interconference play. And, and so it, it's really tough to get a feel for how good everyone is. But I think we've had some great advantages because of the weather. I mean, we got a chance to, you know, kind of work out all the way through November, December, and January where the Northeast schools, the schools up north uh, of us that don't have indoor facilities, you know, probably really struggled with all that. So there's been some advantages. So I think there's a reason why we might be a little further ahead. But uh, I also think I have a really good football team that doesn't have a lot of, you know, warts. Defense is outstanding. You know, we pretty much shut down the number one offense in the country. If this conference has anything, it has offensive players, offensive skill kids, great quarterbacks, great wideouts, great running backs. And we pretty much shut down the number one offense in the country on Saturday. And then our offense is ranking, you know, if you look at the top teams that have played five or six games, you know, we're number one or number two in the country in scoring. So this is a good football team. And, and uh, we're excited to have an opportunity to play on Saturday. What's it been like to have this season the way it's been uh, played? It's, it's just so different. The schedule is so, so odd. Sometimes I have to catch myself thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah. we're playing football in April meaningful football for these teams. How, how weird has it been? How different, how challenging kind of all that mixed into one? Well, you know, then to add to the challenge, we don't have a locker room. So we're oh, is that right? redoing our, we have a new facility we're putting together, redoing our old one, putting $15 million into it. I told Bobby Williams, we'll do whatever it takes. Our kids walk to practice with their helmets and shoulder pads. They do their own laundry. We, we don't meet in person. Uh, I mean, we don't have any meeting space. We don't have any locker room space. My offensive staff is in the stadium, in the press box. My defensive staff is in an old bank building two miles off campus. So I don't even have, you know, them together. So it's, it's been – so there's been challenges on top of challenges. And then when the weather came and we didn't have, you know, fresh water or heat or electricity for four days, and we had to take all of our interns and coaches and dig the field out over three days so we could practice, all those things have brought us together. You know, and it's interesting because my worry was not having a locker room. How close would this team be? All these issues have really brought us together. And then we did a really good job, I think, um, tackling racial injustice. And, and we've, you know, we call it our racial injustice education program. And uh, pretty much on a weekly basis, you know, we tackle some topics. And so I think that brought us together, too. So I think the combination of all those things really has made this maybe one of the closest teams I've ever been around. And it's unusual because we don't have a locker room you know that we normally share that time with so yeah it's been uh, it's been a fun season i have a great group of kids i really do so what changed as far as preparation goes because you know everybody we all have this turtle clock right uh, yeah. okay spring rolls around and we're gonna have spring practices and all, everybody's used to routine getting out of that routine is different not to mention all the other issues that you were dealing with just routine wise 
How, how much of a challenge was that to kind of get these guys moving in the same direction when it, it's not something that they've been used to their whole life? Constant communication, constant evaluation. You have to evaluate, are we doing too much? Are we starting to wear our kids out? And, and you know, once the season started, Daniel, I'll be honest, I grinded these guys pretty hard. And, and I told them, I said, I know I'm doing that. I know you feel worn out, but this is what we need to do for us to be the best the second half of the season. In our mind, the second half of the season was going to be, you know, playoff games and maybe, you know, the last week of the season. That was our mindset. We were going to play 10 games. And um, we got there. And like today, we would have normally already had 11 period practice. At 7 o'clock tonight, we have walkthrough. So I'm really taking a load off their bodies, but still challenging them mentally. So, yeah, there's been just a lot of, you know, taking my experience and just kind of, you know, watching practice and evaluate where we are mentally, where we are physically, and then just sort of making those adjustments as we go along. What did you learn over the last couple of years with this team as you kind of built it, built it to this point, you know, a stellar defense? You know, the last couple of years, not the years that you, you, you've had before, um, that you want to have, but it was a, it was a learning process. I'm sure with these guys and a building process, um, what, what was your biggest takeaway that allowed this team to get to where it's at right now? You think it was a couple of things. First of all, we were as good as last year's team was as good as this year's team. It just, we didn't have a quarterback. You know, we lost three quarterbacks during the season. And, you know, when you are playing with your third quarterback with a bad ankle, that will tell you, you know, that that's going to be up, uphill sledding. But at the same time, you know, we had great success offensively. We led the country I think, three years in a row with two different coordinators. And I, and I made a conscious decision that, you know, tempo is still going to be part of our world, but I had to play to my defense a little bit more. And I had to bring someone in who could, you know, in those big ball games, you know, use some more scheme and some motion and formations. And I thought against the best team in the country, playing fastest wasn't enough. And so I brought Ryan Cardi in. And Ryan Carty was the, the, the perfect um, fit for what I wanted to do. And I know the last two years didn't go where we wanted to offensively, but we were sort of building to try to get to where we are right now. And again, I think we're, you know, top two or three in the country in scoring and uh, very balanced. Uh, we can throw it, we can run it. Uh, we have to take the clock down. We can take the clock down. If we need to play up tempo, we can. And it's kind of what I envisioned, you know, getting into the playoffs, using an offense that not only can play with some tempo, but schematically can put our players in the best position to be successful. Yeah. Because you're going to have to, you know, grind some games out. You're going to have control the clock. I mean, that, that all, all that stuff wrapped into one for the playoffs is, is, is huge. Well, and Daniel, something happened really the very first game of the season, we had to get a third down stop. We got it. We had to get a fourth down stop. We got it. We had to get two first downs. We got it. You know, so in a very tight ball game against Southeast, Southeast Louisiana, we made those plays on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball that really kind of set the tone for a whole season. You know, you make those plays as a strong belief system. That's a strong, like we can, if you don't make those plan plays, now you're wondering, we didn't make those plays a year ago. You know, we had a chance to win the ball game against North Dakota at the end of the game. And we, we didn't get it done. We got it done this year. And I think that really set the tone for the whole season. Uh, what what makes your defense so good? Obviously, you're a new coordinator, some new schemes, but what is it about them right now that have them playing at their at their best when it matters most? Our defensive lines are all headache. Like people struggle with our defense. The mismatch has to be our defensive line 
against anyone's offensive line. If it's not a mismatch, it, it, it's going to be, you know, we might be in harm's way. That's how good this defensive line is. Then you had, you know, Joe Wallace, who was an All-American, and Trace Muscari, who's an All-American, J- Javon Leon, who's a freshman All-American. Then you have a guy, Jahari Kay, who, when you talk about the best defensive line on our team, might be in the conversation to be the fourth. He's up for the Buck Buchanan. I mean, he's playing lights out. Uh, four tackles for loss, interception for a touchdown, fumble recoveries, um, you know, sacks. I mean, so what happened was a very good player for us became a great player for us in the defensive line. So I think it made our defensive line even better because he has stepped up and had a huge season for us. How much fun are you having up there at Sam Houston? I mean, you, you got there at 20, what is it, 13, 14? Yeah, 2014. Yeah, this is, this is year seven. I'm having a ball. Yeah, I'm, I was going mean, to say, because you, you just enjoy – I mean, every time I talk to you, it's like you, you, just, you just radiate this passion for, for Sam Houston, which is something that is so important, uh, especially here at the, at the FCS level. It says you, you got it, and then you must be having a ball. We've developed a great culture. We just really love being around our players. You know, we dance after every win because winning's hard. And so if we're going to win – if we win, I don't care what the score is, we're going to all dance in there together. And they have fun with me and I have fun with them. And, and I just, there's a culture that we've developed where we have honest dialogue with our players. And that's why when the racial injustice happened in our country, we want to have honest dialogue with our players. And I think this has really brought our team together. You know, one of the young men asked me, he goes, coach, do you tell your children you love them before they go to the, the grocery store? I said, well, that's who my wife and I are. I mean, my son's 29, my daughter's 32. So we're a little bit past that, but yes, that's kind of who we are. And he goes, well, I said, I stopped. I said, let me guess. Your parents do it because they're not sure if they're going to see you when you come back. He said, exactly. So we've had some really strong, honest discussions about what's going on in our world. And also understand, we have the number one criminal justice program in the country. It's one of the largest in the world. And so we've made it very clear that we support our police officers. We pray for our police officers. Um, We do understand there's racial injustice taking place out there. But also, we have a great group of of, uh, graduates from San Houston State that we're we're very proud of, and we support them also. So I think we really, you know, kind of tackled it in a very unique way, and uh, I think it's actually brought us very close together. You've noticed in the in the conversations, just even football wise, the camaraderie. You mean because those are tough conversations to have, right? I mean that 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 is not easy to open up from with players from different backgrounds. I mean, a different socioeconomic status. I mean that that is not an easy thing to do. Well, when George Floyd happened, I made a, a call to, we were Zooming, I made a Zoom to each position group. And I put a statement out and I told them what my feelings were. And, you know, I told them, I said, listen, I've never walked a mile in your shoes. I am going to become a pupil here. I'm not going to be the teacher. And so I really relied on, on two of my black coaches to really take charge of this. Um, and they did. Sadiq Keynes and, and Chris Buckner really you know embrace this and have led us in some great discussions in small groups and large groups and i think it's been powerful we, we've told our players this we don't want this to be a one-off we want this to be part of our culture and so this is something that we know is not going to go away anytime soon so we need to keep on addressing it so eventually we can feel that we've made a difference and so i think our players appreciate that they appreciate the honesty uh, and i tell them i don't always have the answers but I'm absolutely not afraid to have a dialogue with you to help you find the answers with me. So it's been good. What was your uh, biggest, what was the biggest thing you learned through all those discussions? You think, I'm sure there was a lot, but if yeah. there was oh. one thing that can kind of stand out, what, what was it? 
Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, that you can share. I don't want to obviously put you. In yeah, no, and and there there really are a lot of things, a lot of personal things. Uh, but you know, I, I realize that um, I live life through a different lens than my black coaches and my black players do. I have white privilege. And that white privilege is just me driving home, not having to worry about getting pulled over and having an issue. Um, you know, that, that's, that's something that just struck me when, when I realized that when they were talking about white privilege, I didn't know what they meant. And then as we talked more about it, I realized when I walk into the Stripes or 7-Eleven or Wawa, wherever you want, I'm seen differently than one of my black coaches who may walk in uh, to that same, same establishment. So it just was some, really, some real honesty. And, and just, and I appreciated that. And I walked away shaking my head saying, wow, there's so much I've learned. It, it might be one of the greatest experiences of my life, kind of attacking this, this situation with my players. I think a lot of people would have just kind of turned away from it or maybe done like a meeting or a video or, but uh, we've done a lot. You know, we have a video coming out. Uh, we did a Martin Luther King uh, March and, and uh, education program. Uh, for the students on campus, I mean, a lot of student athletes uh, from other sports come out and join us. So this is, again, this is something that it's part of our culture now. And uh, again, it wasn't intentional to bring us together, but it was something that it was definitely a byproduct. And I feel very close to these young men. So aside from the camaraderie, which is, seems like it's really good, but this program right now, new facilities coming I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good about where you're headed. New conference in the future, uh, which has got to be pretty exciting for you as well. Uh, this is a good time to be a Bearcat football player and uh, and member of that team. Yeah, and you know, our, our institution made a commitment to sign a full class. We signed a full recruiting class, even though we know we're going to keep almost all of our seniors for next year. And to me, that just showed the commitment to the football program, that we don't want to put you in harm's way by not signing a freshman class. And what a great time to sign a freshman class because this freshman class probably doesn't have to play much next year. So now you get a red shirt and the freshman we have right now, they're getting a red shirt. So now you can build it like, like you really want to build it where those new players coming in can get those red shirt years, get in the weight room, get bigger, stronger, faster, learn the system. And then you have a lot of great 50 year seniors. When I talked to our senior class about coming back another year, I pointed to, you know, the twins, Zion and, and, and Tristan McCollum. I pointed to Colby Thomas and, 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 and Jalen Thomas and said, you guys needed a redshirt year. You got it now. You know, so this was the best thing to happen to those guys. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Wallace, same thing. Trace Mascara, same thing. All those guys needed an extra year. They're getting an extra year now. So um, our kids really embraced this year, knowing that it was a chance to win a championship. They have to respect about, you know, Bobby Williams and Sam Houston State was, they had no interest in playing money games. That's not who we were going to be. There's a championship that's going to be determined this spring. Coach, we want you to go get that championship. So I thought that was really cool, and it was easy sell to our players. Said, hey, guys, instead of coming out every week and saying, okay, who are we playing for how much, we actually going to go play a schedule that's going to help us lead to a championship that hopefully can lead us to a national championship. So, again, I mean, I am – I'm at a program that football is important. I have um, a president and athletic director that cherish what we do, uh, understand that it's important for the university. And I think when you find that situation as a coach, you embrace that situation. Uh, you're in the throes of it right now, right? But I do have to ask you about the new opportunity coming on the horizon. How, how huge was it? Now the fact you got to sign a whole class, 
that's right around the corner. You're going to be in a new conference, uh, new teams. You're going to how? I mean, that's huge going into uh, an environment that, yeah, you're bringing in some of the Southland teams, which is which is great. You have some familiar competition, but I mean, it's good to have some experience on a team when you're heading into an environment like that when you haven't been. And there. and the WAC, we're going to be bringing Southern Utah in. There's talk of some other schools that are similar to us in terms of large public institutions or private institutions that have made a financial commitment to have great facilities. So if you look at Lamar's facilities and our new facility and uh, what they're doing at Abilene Christian and, and up at Tarleton, you're bringing a lot of like-minded schools together in terms of they want to have great football. And that's, that's the, the, the goal. The goal is to create the best FCS conference in the country that through investigation, we'll decide if we think it's prudent for us to move to FBS. Uh, that's probably going to be a three-year process as they investigate all that. So it's exciting. You know, I, I put it on Bobby Williams's hands. I said, listen, I'm out. You know, I'm going to worry about coaching football. Right. You tell me what direction we're going, I'll follow you. And the great thing is, you know, Daniel, with him having 17 years of being a college football coach himself, he was the right man for the job. And he navigated us through having a spring season. He navigated us through moving into the WAC. And uh, again, we're better for it. So how are your dance moves? I didn't ask you before, but how are they? Have they gotten better? Uh, I, I, all I know is a lot of the guys get their phones out. If, I don't know if they think I'm going to have a heart attack or but I have fun with the guys. I really do. Um, you know, again, it, it, it keeps you young. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't even know the name of the song that we danced to, but something about we got whole lots of money. Uh, oh. So that's all I know. We got whole lots of money and I sing along with them. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great group. And, you know, it does keep you young when you're around young people who are motivated, like the players that we have. Um, I think culture wise, this is as good as we've ever had it. And we've had some great teams in the past. And uh, I'm like, I said, I'm really proud where this program is right now. That was head coach KC Keeler of the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Hope you enjoyed that chat. Good luck to them. I hope they bring the championship home. they got a great squad. Like you mentioned, that defense is playing really well. And the offense, as we've come to know from Sam Houston, is always high-powered. they got a quarterback this year, which is huge. And uh, I expect big things from them. And look, they may not have to leave the state of Texas for a while if they keep winning. They're the number two overall seed, so good luck to Sam Houston. I know a lot of Bearcat fans are fired up about that team. They're passionate. They're a passionate fan base. I hear from them all the time on social media, and they've got the right man for the job up there in KC Keeler. He loves that. He loves being there at Sam Houston. So thanks for uh, stopping by, Coach. I really appreciate that. That's going to do it for this episode, episode 51 of the Time Out with DG podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for some other episodes that are coming up. I don't want to make any promises as to when that's going to happen, uh, but they're uh, they're going to be coming up with more uh, regularity, I'll say that, hopefully starting next week. I know I've said that before, but that's my target date. Hopefully next week we'll have some more regular podcasts and interviews coming up. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So until then, I will talk to you later. See you.